Alex, did you ever just like get up here and you're probably fine and now you just feel like throwing up? Yeah. No, me neither, me neither. Um, Alright, so good morning, welcome to Kaya. My name is Uriah, rhymes with Kaya, that's why I'm here. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so thank you guys for worship, that was awesome. Um, so today we're going to talk about... Um, God's God's will in our lives, and and the message up there was a a really good in, not introduction for this. Like I'm the main feature, but it's a really good partner message, like uh, with with the message. And so, um, basically, you know, have have we ever had this plan for our lives? Have you ever thought about what's going to happen next? Um, map out what's going to happen. And so, so for me, a lot of those those thoughts and concepts, you know, were um, you know, I'm just going to hold off on dating right now and, and just pursue singleness. You know, I've had that thought. And then, and then uh, you know, I, I'm going to pursue this career and then, and then see where that goes. Um, I'm going to, I think that I'm going to enjoy married life for about five years and then we'll start thinking about kids. Um, I'll probably just be working, you know, this job and, and so maybe... I mean, that was really subtle, but all those plans that I mentioned ended up just completely not working. Uh, so my, my wife's pregnant. We were in a baby in like a month. So we, I mean, we didn't make it five years, right? That was my plan, five years. That's bad execution on my part. Um, you know, right after um, we decided, I decided that I wasn't going to date uh, anyone, I was going to pursue singleness. Havila sat next to me in, in Dan's sculpture class at Longview. The rest is history. <laughs> See, what, what would you do if that happened? Right. Yeah, um, yeah so, so all my plans fall apart, right? Every time I think that I have something that I'm going to do that I decide is a good idea, a good life pursuit, a direction, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, it, it all just completely changes, right? And I think we could all recognize that our plans in the scope of, of God's plan is is pointless, right? We have there's that running joke of, you know, we all we make our plan our life plan, and then what God does is He laughs, you know. But so none of that works, and and we've prayed we pray all the time. I pray all the time things like, you know, God, please please show me what to do, which is a good prayer. And and he, and he says, and I say like I just want to do what God wants me to do next. I'm praying for God's will in my life. I'm praying for the next step. God, would you? Would you show me what, what you want me to do? Um, Luke, would you pray for me, man? I'm just trying to figure out what God wants me to do next. And, and those are good things. Those are, those are good prayers. But this thing that, that I, I couldn't shake is that it's, it's a little bit sidestepping the, the, the thrust of being a Christian, right? The, the thing that God has done is, is died on the cross, given you three things. He's given you the Spirit, the Word, in the church. We'll talk about that later. But basically, my, my thesis um, for this message is along the lines of, of God doesn't have a plan for your life. Some of you are like, hmm, this guy's crazy. Like that, the, the Jim Gaffigan voice. Like, oh, this is going. Um, um, and so God doesn't have a plan for your life, right? Isn't that kind of, okay, I'll talk about it later. He has a desire for your heart. He, he, the obedience to God, the obedience to Christ is the preeminent thing, the preeminent desire for you now, that, that, that God would be glorified, right? 
Um, the heartbeat of that thought is good and right. Those, those thoughts earlier about, God, what, what, what should I do? What do you want me to do next? What's, what's, what's your next step for my life? Um, those are good things. But, but he already gave you a light to your path, right? A lamp unto your feet. Doesn't that infer that you can see where you're going? Um, and so the, the, bridge, the bridge from this thesis and, and the main text may take a little bit, but I promise that I'm laying down this, this, these, these two-by-fours across this river, and hopefully by the end, we will, we will be on the other side, and you'll say, okay, now it makes sense. Because God is not the author of confusion. If I author confusion, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just take what God wanted you to get. Amen. Amen, amen. So you can flip to um, 2 Corinthians 10. That's going to be our, our home passage, verses 3 through 5. And we're going to work through those three verses um, as our, our main three verses. Um, but I'm going, to, I'm going to pray again real quick. Just to... um, Father, we love you. We do thank you for today. We thank you for um, your message, for your faithfulness, God, for, for your son and, and the sacrifice that he made. Lord, we thank you for um, your word, Lord, that is... Um, our sword, that is our, our light, Lord, that is the answer to all our questions, that is your heart placed in our laps, Lord, that, that speaks through us and guides us and directs us, Lord, I thank you um, for everything that you're doing, and we just ask that you would teach us something today, Lord, that you would continue your good work that you began in our lives, Lord, and, and show us your faithfulness um, to be close to us, Lord, to be our saving grace in, in, in our are everything. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, so verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And it says, um, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I've, I've highlighted, so the green is not going to show up very well. I learned that now. Next slideshow will be better. The first line is highlighted. So I'm going I'm I'm to hone down on, For though we walk in the flesh. Um, that's, that's, that, that's leading us to main point number one, right? So key point number one, there's going to be three key points, if you're taking notes, is that we as Christians are present in this world, but do not live by the same standards as this world, though we walk in the flesh. We exist here on earth. I don't think anybody would argue with that statement, right? If I told you that we're existing on earth, everyone's like, yeah, of course, that's a little redundant to say, I'm here. Um, and so, that, let's just get that out of the way. We're here on earth, we're existing. Um, we all have experienced at least one birth. Mm. Yeah, we, we've all experienced one birth, right? You're, you're here, you've experienced a birth, some of you are here and have experienced two births. Do you have any questions? See Andrew Ong. Uh, we have been renewed, that, that's the next point. So, so though we walk in the flesh, we have been renewed, we are separated from the flesh. Right? So that's why he says we don't war after the flesh, because we've been separated from our flesh. Um, John 17, verses 14 through 16, says, I have given them my word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but, the, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. John 15, verse 19, says, If ye were of the world, 
the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So, bottom line, we're here. Um, we're here, and it's, it's a little weird, right? As, as the believer in Christ, you're in the world, but you're not really in the world, right? For, for though I walk in the flesh, I'm not really walking in the flesh. Is that, we, we get that concept a little bit. Um, and another thing to note is that, so while we're here, while, while we're walking in the flesh, this isn't, this isn't a permanent uh, residence. This isn't a permanent place of our walking. This isn't permanent for us. It's temporary. Um, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 1 Corinthians 7.29-31 says, But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possessed not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. So in light of, of these things, um, and, and looking at our verse, you know, looking back at, at though we walk in the flesh, we can say that that's true, we can say that it, it is temporary, and we can say um, that, that it's, it's, it's a problem, right? Us existing in the world is a problem for the world, and then we're, we're living that out. Because the world, the world has its own rules. The world has its own standards, right? The world is teaching worldly beings how to live in the world. The world is indoctrinating worldly members to live in the world, right? The world has its own pursuits. The world has its news. The world, there's things that if you lived in the world, you would listen to the world so that you can have success in the world, right? So the rules, the standards, life in the world is, is defined by the world. It's described by the world because it's by the world's rules. It tells, it tells the world, this is getting really conceptual now, but so you have this world, right? And whoever is the leader of this world gets to, to, to make up the rules of the game that is playing, whatever. And so constantly, 24-7, it's trying to teach you, right? You're, you're hearing things all the time about worldly doctrine, worldly ways of success, worldly happiness in life, all these things. The world is desperate for you to be conformed to its system, and at the very least, to be content in a Christian life of confusion, um, Psalm 71, verses 1 and 2, say, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Um, 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty three says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. So, so that's, you know, red flag number one, right? If you are confused, who is the author of that confusion? Right? If, if you're confused in light of what the Word says, that's not from God. God does not want you to be confused. God wants you to know. In that verse, that, that Psalm 71 that I read, at the end of that chapter, David, so David's saying, Lord, help me not be confused. Help me to put my, my trust in you. At the end of the chapter, he's praying that his enemies would be confounded. Right? So, so confusion is, is, for, 
is for them, right? Clarity is for us. Amen. The world, the world sings, you know, sings songs like, there's a hole in my soul, can you fill it? Can you feel it? There's a hole in my soul. I can't feel it. I can't feel it. That's Bastille, if you wanted to know. But we sing, we sing songs like, fill me up till I overflow. I want to, I want to, Eric has to, just kidding. So we sing songs like that, right? Isn't that, that's a completely different, it's, it's completely different, right? The world is saying, I have this hole. I don't know how to fill it. Do whatever, make it, I, I can't stand this hole. But we know, we know that we need Lord, the Lord to fill up our hole and, the world, the world says to pursue your best path, right? The world says you got to do what's right for you, right? And, and the work, workplace is like, well, you got to look out for number one. No one can get mad at you for, for quitting or moving on. Got to take care of you first, you know? That's just, it's not bad. It's just, that's a worldly philosophy. Um, the world says that you need to find happiness. <laughs> you know, the, the world, it, that's from the world that whatever you're doing means that you need to be happy. You know what I mean? It doesn't, you don't have to be happy in every single situation. That, that's not from God, right? He's, he's talk, he talks about being sorrowful. He talks about, about being beaten. He talks about, you know, dying for everyone's sins. He wasn't, I don't know. Eternal happiness is, is for eternity, right? We're going to suffer as Christ suffered. And I can have joy. I can have peace. But happiness, I mean... That's sometimes, sometimes, in, in due season. Um, so the world says that you need to be working a job with the best pay, right? To, to keep trying to get the best thing. Like, I can get, I get a better raise. I got to take these classes so that I can get this over here in this job so I can make more money and so I can provide for my family and my family can be happy. And That's a world teaching. The world says that you have every right to do... And so there's this quote, uh, James McDonald, he's this, you know, I mean, don't listen to him all the time, but in, in, you know, tasteful, listen to James McDonald. But he says, he says here, you know, someone's talking about rights, like they have their rights in the church, the church versus the, uh, huh? No, 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 it's like the war, the war on Christmas or something like that was what he's talking about. He's like, well, the world is... The world is, is pushing us away from Christmas. We can't say Christmas. We can't say Christ. And we have a right to, to celebrate our holiday. And, and they don't have... But rights are what the world preaches. You know, he says, here's, here's a thimble. Fill it up with all the rights you have dead to Christ. Right? You're a dead man, dead woman. <laughs> what do you have coming to you if you're dead? The, we're in the world. Our rights aren't... aren't we don't, we don't have any, right? We have Jesus Christ. That's better than any right I could ask for. That's, that's my takeaway. You know, I don't, I don't have rights. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't earned the right to stand in, in my country and preach the gospel. Yeah. Like, that's something I do out of obedience to Jesus Christ, not something the world has to give me. The world hates me because I got left here. Um, so the world is where we live. You know, though we walk in the flesh... And it wants so badly for you to think by its rules, by its standards, um, that you also war after the flesh. It wants you to think that those same things are what you have to take and battle them with. So it's, it's giving you like rights, it's giving you legal matters, it's giving you the government. And it thinks, it wants you to think that your way of fighting back is to play by its rules. 
right? The, the war that, that's unfolded for, for Saul and Sam's message, it thinks, the world wants you to think that it's 600 men versus a, a sea of an army, right? Those are impossible odds, like what Sam was saying. A crazy man would have to do that if it, if it wasn't for God, right? Only God is the deliverance in that situation. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, I think it's pretty, like, obvious. 600 people versus, like, a million is going to get wiped out. Like, there's no way, you know? So, but the world wants you to think that you're trapped in that situation, that you're defeated, that there's no way out, it's hopeless, we're going to get crushed. That's what the world wants you to think. It wants you to think that you have to fight the same way they fight. Um, but, but, but God loves you so much. God loves you so much that he gave his son to come down on this earth, live a sinless life, die for you, be resurrected. You know, all the baptisms that we just saw a picture that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried three days, and that he rose again so that we don't have to fight the way the world fights. So that we don't have to say, though I walk in the flesh, I'm fighting by the flesh. I'm just going to try really hard, 600, buckle down, find a little cliff like the 300 Spartans, and we're going to do this. But no, that's not how it works, you know. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't war after the flesh, right? We're, we're wiser than that. We're, we know better than that. Um, yeah. So go to the next Go to the next verse, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So, the highlighted part of this one is, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Um, our weapons, like the way we do battle are only powerful through God. That's key point number two. Our, our victory in true sight, our victory in vision, is only found in God. Key point number two. So, we don't, we don't live like the world? What do you mean? Like, how do I exist in the world but not live like the world? How? Why, why not? Um, we don't war after the flesh. Romans 7, verse 18, says, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, Dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Is that how you want to live? Because that's the world's reality. You know, he just said right there, it, it's an it's a insider scoop to why the world system doesn't work. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And no good thing, right, keep that phrase, no good thing, only reproduces no good thing. You take no good thing and no good thing, put it together, it doesn't equal victory. It doesn't equal happiness. Right? Flesh plus flesh equals more flesh. There has to be some other way. If we don't want to be trapped with no good thing, in the world, that's, that's, our, that's our only option. In the world is only flesh. Right? The spirit is the difference. We have to get out of the no good thing cycle because it's only going to reproduce after its own kind. Right? It's only going to equal more no good thing. You don't just all of a sudden get something, something good out of a no good thing. We need a new variable. And so the man, the man who, who is wrestling with that, the man, the man who tries 
to get good things out of the no good thing is the man who's teeter-tottering, right? He's on a teeter-totter, and sometimes it goes good. Like, it goes good for a little bit, and then it goes bad again. Because he's, he's trying to get good out of no good. The flesh can perform for a little bit, right? You know, I think we can all attest that we've occasionally, you know, slipped into our flesh, right? And we're, we're performing, we're working, we're trying to do ministry the right way. And, and it can work for a little bit, but then what happens is you get tired, and that teeter-totter swings to the other side. Now you're like, oh, crap, I've been in the flesh this whole time. That's why this isn't working. The teeter-tottering man is a man whose house is built on sand. The unfirm foundation is not of God. Does that make sense? Because Christ is a rock, right? We all know the, the children's song. Like, I, the house on the rock is the one that doesn't teeter-totter. There's no teeter-tottering on a firm foundation. If you, you know, if the structure is, isn't set up like, you know, Second <laughs> Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Only God separates us from this world. Only God is that variable that breaks the no good thing cycle. Kendall, you awake? He fell asleep last time. Got to keep him on point. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. Um, only God separates us from the world. Only the Spirit, only Jesus Christ could break the no good thing cycle. Only, you know, in the Old Testament, only, only Noah getting on the boat could break the no good thing of the flood. <laughs> only, only those guys keeping the law, keeping the sacrifices could break the no good thing, right? They had, they had to find a spotless lamb. They had to kill it. They had to burn it do all this grotesque stuff, it's gross, right? Like, sacrifices and offerings are gross. We don't ever think about that, but I'm so happy I don't have to do that. It's disgusting. I don't know if I could. I've shot a deer with, like, a bow and arrow before. That was gross, but, like, to, like, grab it and... Just, I'm glad I don't have to do that, right? But right now, the only thing that breaks that no-good cycle for me, the reason I don't have to keep the sacrifices, is because I have Jesus Christ. Because I took that sacrifice that he did... He's like, hey, I'm seeing that you're in this cycle that only no good thing comes out of. I'm seeing that you have sin, and you need help getting out of it. So I'm going to die for you so that you have a way out. Right? I'm so thankful for that. That's my way of getting out of no good thing. Because in my flesh, well, no good thing. When does it benefit you? Wait, i got to finish that. Um, only God separates us from the world. Why go anywhere else for continuance in that power? Right? No good thing, no good thing, no good thing, no good thing. We're going here, going here, going here. But God, right? My salvation. And then do I, do I, go, do I go back to just no good thing to find victory after that? The, the weapons aren't carnal. The weapon isn't going back to no good thing. The weapon isn't your flesh. The weapon isn't, I've been delivered from though I walked in the flesh. I've gotten this spiritual weapon to fight, fight the flesh, to, to live in this world separated from the world, but I don't, I don't just, okay, that's cool, and put it on my shelf, and then go back to trying to do good things. That would be crazy, right? Um, your weapons aren't carnal, but spiritual. The weapons of our warfare. So what does it benefit you, or, yeah, what does it benefit you not to be fighting, <laughs> I wrote that really weird, <laughs> 
don't bring a knife to a gunfight, right? That's that's what we're doing. We're, we're we're getting this. We had we had we had the weapon that was gonna wipe everyone out in a good way, like spirit versus our sin. We had we had the answer, and it's like we have that, and we're using we're going back to using the same weapons. Like why fight with those weapons when you have the one that was guaranteed victory, right? Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, God began a good work in you. In the believer who stopped and got down on their knees and, and believed in Jesus Christ, who accepted the sacrifice, who did all that, in that believer, God began a new work. Right? And what's that verse say? He said, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, right? And upon further study, we won't get into it right now, the day of Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ coming back to take those who have accepted him into his kingdom. And so we, you can talk about that with your small group leader who invited you, what have you. But that promise, for me, means I don't have to worry about him stopping that work. <laughs> like, the only thing that would stop that is me dying. The day of Christ is, you know, death or day of Christ. So he's going to be working that good work that he started. He's not going to leave, right? Once he started it, he's there, and he's with me, and he's working. He, he's grabbing me by the hand, and he's walking with me. He's like, no, 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 here, take this sword. Watch out for that. He's helping me dodge, you know. Like, I'm walking through this big battle, and I, but I have Jesus Christ, like, grabbing me and, and moving me out of the way and, I don't know. How else do 600 guys beat an ocean of, of people, right? It, have you ever thought about that? Like, it's not like people just fell down. Literally, these 600 guys of, of Saul's, or, or the 300 of Gideon, right, there was, they were more faithful. So he's like, your faith is about half. I'll give you half more guys, 600. <laughs> but those guys, they had, they, God won the battle for them, but 300 men slew an ocean of an army. Like, that doesn't happen by just the guys, like, buckling down and, you know, being really good. I like to think of it as God just, like, grabbing their arms and making them these super guys. (laughs) Yeah, matrixing. It didn't start in the matrix like that. No new thing under the sun. Um, So imagine being given the most powerful weapon or... Think of it like, you know, I, I put uh, the 2K at basketball player. I just constantly go to that, all right? So if you can't relate, sorry, talk to your neighbor. But it's like maxing out. So it's like you maxing out, you have this player, you get to max out the three-point shot, right? So anytime you shoot a three-pointer, it's guaranteed to go in. And it's like you playing that game and never shooting a three-pointer, right? So you, you had a guaranteed win, why are you messing with the formula, right? Make sense? Yeah. Well, what's, what's yours? Like, it's like being in Star Wars. Um, so imagine hearing this statement. Imagine hearing this statement that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So imagine hearing that. And then choosing, right? So... For us to not believe that, right, is choosing to live in disbelief of that statement 
that God said that He's going to perform that work for the rest of your life. For the rest of the believer's life, God is going to keep performing that work. I have to choose to not believe that. I have to call God a liar to not believe that. And it's impossible for God to be a liar. That's Hebrews 6. It's in Hebrews. Type liar. God cannot lie, I think. Type lie. Look for the Hebrews. So, a lot of you are thinking, wait a second. You were talking about hearing from God. Now we're talking about fighting. What the heck? This isn't going anywhere. This, the paths are splitting. Like I said, may, hopefully we get across this river by the end. If not, God can park the sea and we can just walk. But we're trying to build a bridge, right? We're trying to get there. So it's going to tie back in. It's going to make sense. Try and hang in there. So, continuing you know, the thought, he which hath begun a good work, Galatians 3, right? The, the passage for this. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? that ye should not obey the truth. And then verse 3, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect in the flesh? So we, we talked about it like it was crazy. We talked about it like, who would, who would turn away from that and try to go back to fighting the way the world fights? Who, would go, who, would, who wouldn't shoot threes all day and just win? Right? It's like, I, just want, I want the competition. You know, I just want to fight and maybe I'll die. I don't know. But who would do that? We, we talk about it like it's ridiculous, right? But the whole book of Galatians, that's what Paul's addressing. A whole church decided to do that. You know, and I think if we're honest, you know, we can relate to that. You don't, we don't put God on a shelf, but we put God on a shelf sometimes. You know what I mean? I don't consciously, I'm not going to go preach that I don't believe God can have victory in my life. So sometimes I try to fight my own battles. I'm not going to preach that. Sometimes I live like that. Right? That's what the Galatians were doing. That who has bewitched you? Like, there's <laughs> something else at work that has been bewitched. I think it's a powerful word. But, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Right? So why, why not trust in the Spirit, which did that crazy thing in your life, which cut your spirit from your flesh? Why not trust in that thing that somehow had power to do that, to keep doing miraculous things. The guy who can make 600 men destroy an army, like, why, why not use him for everything? Why not use him at home, too, right? You don't have to just use him in war. Take him home, like, live the same way. I'm, I'm getting out of my notes. So, anyways, be patient. What tools have you been given? Think about it. What tools have you been given? What do you have? What weapon do you have? The, the, the Bible. Yes, you have the Bible. Yes, you have prayer. Okay, so, all right, so, my bank account is those 300 men. And there's an ocean of bills and finances and, and utilities. I relate. I do not know how we are going to come out of this battle. I don't know how my baby's going to eat any food after, you know, I, you know, when I have to buy food. I don't know how he's going to eat food. I don't know how my wife's going to eat food, so I'm it. Um, but you know what? It's easy. It's easy to get overwhelmed in those circumstances. 
it's we like to say that you know we like to put those guys down we like to say ah silly guys god's just been doing all this crazy stuff god brought them through the, the, the red sea and god brought them out of egypt and god did this why all of a sudden they don't believe him now but that's me you know i have 300 dollars versus millions of dollars of bills coming at me <laughs> Just like, oof. I have more than $300, but barely. Um, but that's us, right? We're in that spot where, man, I have to have faith. The, the only hope of this situation is having faith that he which hath begun a good work in my life is going to continue to do that good work. Right? The, on, the only hope. I can't make 300 stretch. Like I, I can't do anything with that. It's better for me to hope in Jesus because I can just put it on him. Like, hey man, you said you're going to take care of me, take care of this bird. That, that bird seems full. I'm kind of hungry. Like, it's better for me to be in that place anyways. It's hard. It's, it's intimidating. Like, you're probably terrified. I'm terrified. I don't know what I'm going to do. We could be in a ton of debt if something bad happens. But I'll know about that later. Um, like... My only hope in this situation is that Jesus is, is true. My only hope is that what the Word of God says, that's what God means. I don't have time to... And I can only have that hope. I'm just going to echo what Sam said. I can only have that hope because the King James Bible says that's what God says. Does that make sense? You can talk to your small group leader about that, too. But I... That's the only hope I have in the situation, that God isn't a liar. Because I'm going to get wiped out. I only have 600 guys with me. I only have, you know, I only have this little army. I'm facing crazy odds. My only hope is, is God not being a liar. So, okay, so when you ask the question, what does God want me to do? So, so... Um, so you're, you're, the, you're one of those guys, you're, maybe you're Saul, maybe you're just in the 300 guys, and it's, you know, the Sea of the Persia, I don't know who they're fighting, the Philistines, you know, tons of guys, and you're sitting there, you're like, hmm, what does God want me to do? <laughs> like, now is not the time to be asking that, right? You're about to get killed. Um, or, or think in this context, your mind is that battleground. So for us, we're not going out. Maybe some of us are in the military, I don't know. But I don't go out, and I don't have to sword fight. I don't have to practice sword play. I don't have to fence. Um, I don't have to go LARP. I can. We don't have to go play Quidditch in a field. Not calling anyone out. (laughs) No, but I don't have to go fight people, right? But my mind, I am... We're fighting. So what I said in the beginning, the world is constantly trying to get you to believe these things. It's constantly trying to wrestle those truths out of your grip. The world is, is battling against you. In your mind, there is a battle going on. And in your mind, it is 300 versus countless. In your mind, the odds are against you. But in that battle, we have the ultimate weapon. We have victory in our back pocket. Um... So the questions that you have, the decisions that you're faced with making in life, that's, that's the battlefield. That's the battleground. When you're asking questions, which weapons are you using? 
right? When you're engaging in that battle, what weapon are you using? That's 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 the practical taking away. Like, am I using the world's weapons that they they laid out as weapons? Here, you can go fight them with this or this or this. Like, being my rights or or better pay. Like, I can pay my bills if I get a raise and get a better job. You know, that's something we seriously have to think about, right? Haven't we all seriously considered trying to get a better job so that we had more money to pay the bills? I mean, it's not like weird because that's <laughs> it's that's like makes sense. But that's the world's philosophy, right? I don't have to think about making more money because I believe that God's going to do that for me. So, I mean, this is just personal testimony, but God just worked in my life, me not doing anything. And I'm not saying this is going to happen the same way for everyone, but God, like, switched my job for me twice. He, he had me get laid off my last job. No idea that was going to come. Never, never would have thought that I would move. I wasn't thinking about moving jobs. Just got laid off. And so, went to Vietnam, enjoyed my savings. <laughs> then I had to get a job. And so then I, had, I found a job. But that wasn't me, right? I didn't do anything. I, didn't, I wasn't a bad worker. We just ran out of contract. <clears throat> got laid off. And then this job, my father-in-law just happens to end up with this, with this other guy. They get talking. That guy wants me to work for him for some weird reason. Um, I get his card. I call him. He's like, cool. I'll give your number to my boss. That week, 6 a.m., I have an interview, go to work, and so now I'm going to have a different job, you know, and that's going to take care of my family. But the, I didn't do anything, right? I didn't go try to, to, to worry about my finances, worry about my bills. I didn't try to go recruit a bunch of other guys to come help me fight this battle. I was just, I was just walking, walking in faith, trying to, Lead Bible study, trying to be a good discipler. Where's Mike? <laughs> really trying to be uh, I'm bad. Um, um, but anyways, um, I, yeah, I wasn't fighting by their tools, right? I was just, God's providing, you know? Um, and so you have these three, three tools. I'm trying to speed up. Uh, So we have these three tools, right? We have prayer, we have the church, and we have the word, right? Those are our three tools. And maybe there's some other ways you could say that. Jesus left us those three things, right? Instead of having Jesus here, we have those three things. But the world, the opposite end of that is you have the world's wisdom, uh, you have the internet, and then you have your thoughts, your thoughts that are dictated by, by the world, like the world's doctrine popping up in your thinking. Man, I need to make more money so I can pay my bills. Like you, think it's, you don't think anything of it, but that's a worldly thought. Like, man, I don't know, just think about that. If we lived in the world by the world's standards, we would be subject to the world. What do we know and what have we been given? 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Weird. I, I might be crazy, but that doesn't sound, but doesn't that sound exactly in line with what God has been doing so far? Right, he began a good work with Christ. He's going to continue that work until Christ, and in the meantime, Christ. And in the meantime, you have the mind of Christ. Um, 
we aren't, we aren't subjects to this world, but to Christ. We can think with his mind. We have his mind at our fingertips. Like, we're all literally holding his mind. Um, my God says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. James 1.5. Um, so moving on. I'll try to pick up the pace here. Um, point number three. Everything in our heads must be brought through Christ, who is the answer to all. So all that stuff, all the thoughts, all the world, all the internet, good things, bad things, everything we need to bring through the mind of Christ to run through that filter so that we know what's true, so that we know what's right. Um, that's, so that's the next verse, number five. Casting down imaginations, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Everything must be brought to submission. All of it. And why wouldn't you? Right? You have, you have the filter. like, And there's, there's some stuff you don't want in your coffee. Right? Maybe somebody threw in some gravel. I don't know. Some very small pieces of rocks that you could potentially be drinking. You have a filter. Use the filter. Right? Don't put the stuff in your... Like, use it. Yeah? Makes sense? Um, and so, just a few things, you know, in, in verse, in the ver- last verse we read, 4, I think I forgot to read it, but verse 4, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so, so starting with strongholds and then imaginations, every, everything, every thought, all these things. So strongholds are these, like, like garrisons or towers that things are just... The, the enemy is just camped in, right? It's a stronghold. It's, it's a place where they have refuge and they're protected, right? Those things in our lives are, can be grudges. They can be hurts. They can be these pet sins that are just in protection from us just getting rid of. It's, there's something besides me just not thinking about it that has to remove them. It's a stronghold. It's a tower. Um, imaginations. Um, which can be jealousy, insecurity, malice, distrust, these, these emotions, these things that we imagine, all these kind of emotions or thoughts. So First, first Chronicles 28.9 says, And now, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. And so high things would be idols, entertainment, drugs, things that we exalt that God hasn't exalted. Right? God exalts Christ, God exalts his name, God exalts himself. We exalt things like, I gotta play some PlayStation, I gotta, you know, smoke some cigarettes, I gotta do this. It's like, we exalt things that shouldn't have been exalted, and those are the high things. Those are those are the thoughts, those are the imaginations. So every thought, um, every thought, all thoughts that passes through your mind, the constant, um, the, the shaping, the revealing, all your thoughts, we need to pour through that filter. Um, and so 1 Kings 13.33, you can write that down. And then a lot of us, a lot of us are like baby birds, you know? A lot of us look like this. Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can you play it? Okay. 
gross, right? That's gross. But a lot of us look like that. So a lot of us are letting... It's, it's funny, right? Funny guy. Who eats Rice Krispies like that? No other person I know would do that. But a lot of us look like that with our doctrine, with our thoughts, with the things that we, we take in, with all these things. We're letting the world chew up all this food for us. We're letting the world take all of its understanding, all the world's wisdom, all the world's weapons. We're letting the world take that and chew it all up for us so we don't have to do anything. We just, you know, go like this and the world just feeds us, right? So now I'm not hungry and I didn't have to do anything, right? Awesome. Baby bird taken care of. But that's a lot of us. We don't chew up our own food. We don't think about what has God given me to feed me? What has God given me to sustain me? What has God already done? Right? I already have food. All I have to do is eat it. There's a, a sheep, illust- so I have this sheep illustration, right? So we think about us being sheep, Jesus being the shepherd, and, and we think about, okay, so now if I'm a sheep, right, and I have a shepherd, <clears throat> how arrogant would it be for me to assume that that whole situation is about me, right? So think about the shepherd and think about the sheep. Is... Is the shepherd just some weird guy who has, he's like, man, I really love sheep. And I'm going to go find some. And I'm going to go help them get from point A to point B. Or it's just some dude who has, you know, this, this effect, you know, affection for sheep. Like, man, when I grow up, I want to take care of sheep. And I want to, I'm going to go find all the lost sheep and, and take them to this pasture. That's not what a shepherd is, and that's not what a shepherd is to a sheep. That's not what the sheep is to the shepherd. A shepherd is taking care of a sheep because it's, it's his livelihood. The shepherd takes care of a sheep because he needs to feed his family. The shepherd, um, there's, there's tending and growth and protection of his property, but it's not because he wants the sheep to get some better grass. He's doing that because it's his sheep, and he wants it to get fatter so he can eat it or trade it later. That's what a shepherd, that's the shepherd and sheep relationship. He's defending the lions because if, that's, like, that's like someone just coming and stealing $50 from you. He's, he doesn't want that to happen, right? And so we have this skewed perspective, right? That it's all about me. What is really all about the shepherd. Does that make sense? Do you want victory? Do you want hope? Do you want joy do you want Christ's likeness in your life then depend on him who showed you the path in the first place it's not so that I arrive at some destination where now I have all those things I'm not a sheep waiting for the perfect pasture I'm a sheep that needs to realize that this shepherd is going to take care of me and I go to the shepherd whenever I need anything Proverbs 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my, pla- my path. This implies that you see where you're going. That's why I said that earlier, right? And so, how can I really know? Do I just read the Bible and that's it? Pretty much. Pretty much. Romans 12.1-3 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, right? You're His sheep. Present yourself to the shepherd because you're his. Um, and, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, 
according as God had dealt to him, to every man the measure of faith. So your renewed thoughts will be subject to Christ. Taking the mind of Christ, taking your thoughts, running them through the filter, bringing all thoughts to the obedience of Christ, makes them Christ-like. You know what I mean? The filter, once it goes through the filter, it's a Christ-like thought. And so what, what, what else were you going to do in the first place? You're still kind of like, okay, wait. I don't, know, I don't know how this has to do with me asking God questions or praying about God. And so, no good thing. Nothing comes good comes of no good thing. No good thing plus no good thing. No good thing. Job looked up into the heavens and he said, what is man? David, Psalm 8 says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? So we have, we, have, we have options, right? We can pray about things. We can read in the Bible about things. We can talk to people at the church. If you're texting Brandon after 10 o'clock at night, you need to repent and tell Brandon that you're sorry for doing that and immediately stop doing that. If you're doing that every night, you need to immediately stop doing that. Don't text Brandon at night every single night. Maybe like once or twice. A month. <laughs> See him on Tuesday. Brandon is butter, just like Sam is butter. Right? We talk about spreading our pastors like on some toast. Sam talks about that. We will abuse Brandon if we do that. Do you know what I mean? You have other tools. You have small group leaders for a reason. They should be a pit stop. Right? Go to your small group leader, and then maybe go to Brandon. You know what I mean? Go, go to, go to your, your, your other leader's but before just going to Brandon, we're gonna we're gonna wear him out. He's he's a little just a little bit of butter, you know. So what was the? There's a good like. I can't believe it's not butter. I can't believe it's not Brandon. I can't believe it's not Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Take some, take some, and then go to your small group leader, and you'll spread it on your toast. You'll eat it. Like man, I can't believe it's not Brandon. <laughs> it's the same butter. No, it's not. Brandon's special buddy. Um, but Mark twelve thirty three says, And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbors himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So God wants you to obey. God wants you to obey him. He doesn't want you to move. He doesn't want you to get married. He doesn't want you to date. He doesn't want you to get a dog. He, he doesn't care about, I mean, he cares about you, but he doesn't care if you get a dog. He doesn't care, you know, like, God, give me the next step of my life. God's like, I gave you freedom to do what you wanted. I, I put you in a garden with one rule, don't eat that, and then let's just, let's just fellowship, let's just hang out. The situation is, I just want you to obey me and love me. I gave you my word. I gave you the spirit. I gave you the church. I just want you to have liberty in what I gave you. I don't... Yeah, like, you should pray about what car to get or getting your car fixed. You should pray about those things because that's one of the things he gave you to do. But God doesn't care if it's a Nissan or a Ford. He doesn't care what the price is. He wants you to walk in obedience to his word. He wants you to read the word, the mind of Christ and live in that. It's not about, it's not about the, the, the person that God made you. 
And there's this, there's this box right here that, God, help me get to the next box you got for me. And if you miss, then it's, you're off God's path. That's not how our life works. He set you free to live life in submission to him. He wants you to live in obedience to him. So if you're obeying, if you're not in sin, then you have liberty in Christ to, okay, I'm not, I'm not sinning. I'm doing what the Bible says. This glorifies God. Um, I can see where I'm going. If you, if, you, if, it, like, if you can see, that means the word of God's there. If you can't see, you need to stop. If I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just taking a shot in the dark, that would mean that the word is not lighting your path. <laughs> he set you free. He gave you a free will. It's always been about free will, not robots, choosing to love God. So we, we can't... We don't want to try to make it about being robots again. We weren't free for a second, get saved, now you're robots again, and you're servants. You know, you're still free. He still wants you to have that freedom and choice to love him. Um, Free to obey him and have liberty in his sacrifice. We must separate our minds from the carnal weapons that this world has taught us. So those weapons are trying to get you away from that. They're trying to slow you down. They're trying to corrupt that battle in your mind to get you back into those circumstances where you're outnumbered. But if we just live in Christ, I don't care what's going on. I don't care about the battle. I know that God's going to come through. Not my own power, not carnally, but through God's power supernaturally. All your answers are found in giving yourself to his truth. God desires the heart of man. God desires that heart of man to live in obedience to his commandments. It satisfies him deeper than sacrifices and offerings. Your heart to obey his word and free will is the true place of blessing. The light that set you free will continue to keep you free, and when you look down, it will show you your steps. And so that's that's the conclusion. Um, If the praise team wants to come up, went way long, sorry. Uh, Praise team wants to come up get their stuff situated um you know if if you haven't taken the time to sit down and consider the the state of your life you know if you feel like everything i do isn't working you know everything i do feels like 300 guys versus a million if everything feels like that then you need to stop and pray about talk to somebody about maybe you need to get saved Maybe you are in those circumstances. Because bottom line, this world is full of sin. This world is full of no good thing, of flesh. But Jesus died so that we didn't have to be there. Jesus died. So the no good thing plus the no good thing, that equation ultimately equals hell. Ultimately equals damnation and separation from God forever. We don't get to play this battle as long as it takes for us to get right. The day of Christ is coming. And so it's very important that we know if we're saved or not. It's very important that we reckon that fact, right? God died so that you could be joined with him again. God died so that you could be free, so that you could have his mind, so that you could be saved, because he wanted fellowship with you again. Um, And so I'm going to pray and you guys can start or whatever, but um, if we need to get that figured out, 
right? If you need to know that you're saved, if you need to, if you need to be like David and be able to stand up there and say, I know that if I, if I die, I'm going to be with God in heaven, and I want to get baptized. If you need to be able to be in that place to say that confidently, then you need to talk to somebody before you leave. Because it is a battle. It is a battle. I mean, you might not be here next week. So, let's, I'll pray, and then let's get that figured out. So God, uh, we love you. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity. Um, God, we ask, um, Lord, right now you would show us um, that you would help us to cleave to your word. Father, cleave to the truth that we'd be able to discern and have the wisdom to walk in obedience um, and be able to enjoy that freedom, to be able to enjoy the security of living in faith in obedience to you. Father, I pray that if, if any individual here is not sure um, that you have sealed their heart, that you've taken them from an eternity of hell and, and, and destined them to eternity in heaven, Lord, I pray that that, uh, that decision will be dealt with today. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you. Um, would you just be with us this week um, to live out this truth? I know um, I was confusing a little bit, but Father, I pray that we would get it <laughs> and that we would learn to, to use your weapons, Father, not the world's. Um, Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.